0: Matter of fact, it fits in good with what I'm going to talk about tonight, and that is prayer. We're going to talk about prayer tonight. I've had this on my heart for the last few weeks and just um, got stirred up about some things concerning prayer, and so we're going to talk about prayer for the next couple of weeks uh, at least. We may go further if we feel like we need to, but I always enjoy teaching on prayer. Prayer is one of the things that um, I really feel like many, many years ago, the Lord showed me how important prayer is, and he's still showing me, don't get me wrong, he's still showing me how important prayer is in the life of a, of a believer. Listen to this, how important prayer is in the life of a church. Amen. You believe prayer is important in the life of a church. Amen. It's not just a few people praying, but it's a, a church uniting its heart in prayer. Believing that as we seek God, as we look to the Word of God, as we find our strength from the promises of God, that we unite our hearts together in prayer, and we begin to see just supernatural things happen. Amen. And uh, I love to pray. I, many years ago, uh, oh goodness, now even before we were pastoring, uh, the Lord began to deal with my heart about prayer. And, um Tell you a little bit about where I was at that time. I, I got born again and, and really actually rededicated my life and really began to get into the Word and just loved to study the Word. I would uh, that's just I would read the, the scriptures and begin to study out things and I just loved to study. But then I heard a minister talk about the importance of prayer and how that you needed to have a a, a, a fellowship with God. Yes, it needed to be from the Word, but you also needed to have fellowship with the Lord based on prayer. Just talking with God, communicating with God. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is simply just communicating with God, talking with God. But you know what prayer is? Prayer is listening too, isn't it? Prayer is listening. Uh, remember, I heard someone uh, describe a person that's a mentor of, of mine spiritually and said, you know, that, that fellow prays differently than I've heard, ever heard anybody pray. And he said, I was peeking in, he was doing a special meeting at this particular church and the pastor peeked in to where he was and he said he was sitting in the middle of the floor and he was talking, talking to like, who's he talking to? And he was just talking to God like God was sitting right there. He said he'd talk a while, then he'd be quiet. And he'd listen. And he'd talk again, he'd listen. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is talking, speaking to God. But prayer is also listening, isn't it? Prayer is not having any kind of preconceived plan or agenda. Prayer is just going in and getting God's agenda, God's plan, and following that out. And so we're going to talk about this subject for the next couple of weeks, and I think we're going to be helped. Anybody believe the Word can help us in the area of prayer? Absolutely. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. If you also want to go ahead and find Luke chapter 11. John chapter 14, Luke chapter 11. The title of this little series is this, When... You pray. When you pray. And we'll go over some scriptures here in a little bit that will that'll you'll see where I got this title from. But in John chapter 14, beginning with verse 12, one of my favorite texts on the subject of prayer, of asking God, of seeking God, of looking to God, these words were spoken by the Lord Jesus. He said this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these... He will do because I go to my Father. Now the works he's talking about, greater works, is not necessarily in the, the quality of the works, it's just the quantity of the works. In other words, believers now would go out empowered by the Holy Spirit and begin to see supernatural things happen. And um, I hope you believe and you're convinced that, that God can use you uh, mm, that God can use you to see supernatural things happen. Amen. And your prayers and your trusting God and you extending your faith and, and using the things that you know concerning prayer and your walk with God. And so he said this, he said, listen, greater works than these you will do because I go to my Father. Verse 13, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He didn't say, I might do it. He said, I will will do it. Now, there's several things to see here that I think are important, and we're just going to take our time as we walk through some of these things. Some of this will be uh, perhaps a little bit of a a review for some of you, but I believe for some of us it's going to be some things that we're going to see in a way maybe we had never seen it before. But he said this, he said, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son let me ask you a question. How do you get God involved in your life? You ask Him. You ask Him, don't you? You ask God to get involved. How are you born again? You ask God. By faith, you simply say, Lord Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my King. You ask. It's not just enough to think it. You have to do what? You have to ask. So, we get God involved in our life by, by asking. But if we're not asking, we're not praying, we're not seeking God in prayer, guess what? God is not involved in our life, is he? Now that area is certain to a certain degree, but yet when we want God to get involved in our life, what do we do? We ask him. And the scripture says this in the book of James, you have not because you what? You ask not. You have not because you Ask not. Many people have the belief, well, God knows what I need and, you know, he's aware of it and he's sovereign and he'll take care of it. I don't have to ask him. I don't have to, you know, go to him in faith. He just just already knows, so he'll do it. And that's not true. Scripture says God knows what we have need of before we ask him. And so asking is a part of prayer. It's asking God. It's it's coming to Him, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment, but it's realizing we have some needs in our life. We have some things that we need to talk with God about, but we have to ask Him. And I think sometimes, you know, people are frustrated and their walk with God because, you know, what well, God's not, not doing anything in my life. I don't see any real changes, you know. I'm just not seeing things like I want to see happen. And, and you may ask a person, well, are you praying? Are you asking God to get involved? Well, you know, not really. I just, you know, He knows what I need, doesn't He? And yes, He does. He's all-knowing. But yet we still have to do what? We still have to ask. We, and, and it takes faith. And we'll talk about that. It takes faith to ask. It takes faith, confidence in God based upon his word to come to him and to ask him. And so he said this once again, And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so if we want God involved in our life, we ask him. We ask him to get involved. Glory to God. Now, of course, we said this. James said, If you you have not, because you ask not. But there's something else here that's very important that I want us to see. He said this, that the Father may be what? glorified. When we ask God in prayer, he said, listen, the Father will be glorified. That word glorified means to, it means to honor. It means to praise. It means to worship. It means to magnify in one's life. And so as we're seeking God, as we're asking God in prayer, God is glorified in our life. You know, something about it that God desires for us to allow him to be glorified in our life, to be honored in our life, to be worshiped in our life to be praised in our life. And, and when we do and we honor God, when we glorify God, the Scripture tells us that, man, His eyes are just searching to and fro, aren't they, throughout the whole earth to do something, to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are set toward Him. So, you know, as we pray and as we, as we see God do great things in our life, it glorifies God. But you know, something else, through this glorifying God, we see God gets people's attention when miracles happen we see that god you know it causes people to go god, you know i'm going to be devoted to god because i've seen god do something that only god can do and there's a great example of this in luke chapter don't turn to luke chapter 5 but in luke chapter 5 you know we have the story where jesus has, has been teaching you know the, the multitudes he'd asked to use the boat and he said let's launch out you know got a little way off of the shore and begin to teach and the people were seed and things were good things were happening and then jesus turned to peter and he said let's launch out into the deep and let's catch a few fish no no He said, let's launch out into the feet the the deep and let's catch a boat sinking load of fish and Peter said, no, Lord, we've toiled all night. We've already done this, but I tell you what, nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. And so they went out, and they, they just cast their nets, and there was a boat sink and catch. And the scripture says that when they got back to shore, let me just read this too. When they got back to shore, uh, it said this in, the, this is Luke chapter 5, when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' And he's saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. But when he saw something, what did he see? When he got on shore, what did he see? He saw a whole bunch of fish. (laughs) He saw fish. I mean, there was fish, fish, and there was more fish. And he saw all these fish, and he said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, but he saw something. Then it says this, "For For he and all who were with him uh, were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And it says this in verse 11, So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. When God's glorified, amen, when God's lifted up, when the Lord's magnified, what happens? It causes people to go, wow, what a God he is. Now, people sometimes, once they see it, doesn't mean they'll all, always stay with it. You can, you, we know that from Scripture. Judas was a man that walked with Jesus, saw the miracles that Jesus did, yet was willing to betray him. There was a man in the New Testament by by the name of Demas. The Bible says Demas walked with Paul, was was a companion with the Apostle Paul. But it says this, that he forsook, following after Paul, having loved... This present world. In other words, you know he saw some things that happened that took place, but yet it says he loved this present world. So just because people see miracles, just because they see signs and wonders, does not necessarily mean that they will stay with God all their life. But keep this in mind. When God is glorified, when he's honored, when he's praised, people take notice. And I tell you what, I want people taking notice of Bobby Marks. Not, listen, not because of me. Not because who I am. I know who I am. I know my frailties. I know my weaknesses. I know my shortcomings. Thank God God works with me and and does things in my life beside all that. But when I know, you know, that it's not me that's getting the work done, but Him, amen, I give glory to God. It is the greater one in me that's helping get the work done. And what happens, God is glorified. And I am so thankful for the natural abilities that God gives I'm thankful for you know people that have intellect that just they in the God-given you know athletes that you know things that uh, some athletes have you know you you just you know you you can't teach some of the things that people have <laughs> you can't teach you know you can tell people to run faster but some people can only run so fast <laughs> some folks can only jump so high. Natural ability will only take you so far. But aren't you thankful that as a believer, we don't have to depend on just our natural ability. Oh, glory to God. There's a saying that I want to read to you. Mark Batterson has some books that he's written on prayer, and he's wrote a book called Chase the Lion. Great, great book. Really great book about dreaming and having a vision and seeking God and being willing to take some risk and step out of your comfort zone and and, and believe God for great and mighty things. But he said this. It's powerful. He said, Prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Prayer is what? Now, prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. And so many times God's not involved as much as He really wants in our life. Why? Because we're depending on ourselves to get the job done. We're, We're depending on our own abilities instead of the grace and strength that God gives to us to get the work done. So remember, prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. What can God do? Greatly beyond what we can what? Ask, think, or imagine. He's the God that's not just enough. He's the God that's what? He's he's the God that's more than enough. He's the God that just, you know, just not the God who just barely get by. I mean, he's the God of exceedingly abundantly abundant. That's the kind of God we serve, church family. But I and I believe you want to experience some things in your life, and I want to experience some things in my life, and I, I want our church to experience some things. How about you? I mean, I want there to be, I want this place to have three or four hundred people on a Wednesday night. Amen. Could that happen? Absolutely. Yes. We didn't build it, you know, and for just uh, just just to, you know, not have this opportunity for people to hear the word and receive the word and and be taught and and have an opportunity to respond to God, and see things supernaturally take place in our life. So, but prayer is so very important in our life, so very important. It is as the song. It is seeking God. It's talking with God. You know, and you don't have to know all the exact right words to say. I've heard people say, "Well, Pastor, you know, I don't I, my my prayer life just seems so so." You know, boring. I just talk to God like I talk to you. I say that's what He wants. He's not interested in how many fancy words. You know, how many these and thous. And you know, He's looking at your heart when you pray, isn't He? He's looking at what's coming from the inside of you, what's coming from your your very innermost being that He's really looking at. And I tell you what, when he sees that and he sees you and I seeking his face in prayer and, and, and drawing a circle around our life and, and beginning to pray over things, pray over our children, pray over our, pray for our families, pray for our nation. Folks, our nation needs our prayers right now. Many people complain and they moan and they groan and they say this and they say that. And there are things that I disagree with, no matter Republican, Democrat, Independent, across the board. But the scripture says that we ought to what? First of all, prayers, supplications are to be made for those in authority. Those that lead us from the local level, state level, national level. What, what should our prayers be for those people? Pastor, Lord, open their eyes to see some things. May they be open to wise counsel. May they shun things that are evil and, and, and not right. And may they, may they look to things that are right. May they surround themselves with people. Amen. Do you believe wicked people can make wise decisions? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. I mean, they may not serve God. They may not be a believer. But if I tell you what, people praying, counsel, you know, that around them, people that can give them wise, good counsel can make a difference. And so let's be sure we're praying for our nation. Amen. Lifting up our lifting up our leadership, our president, our vice president, the 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 Senate, the House, all those in authority over us, and make sure we're trusting and believing God. Now, Jesus is our example, isn't he? A prayer. You know, not many not many weeks ago, Pastor Dane was teaching. Uh, I'm not sure what it was on the Kingdom of. I know it wasn't on the Kingdom. It may have been on truth, but he, he held up in his Bible and he he took the uh, pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he held them up. And it wasn't that wasn't that thick at all. If you look at what the scripture says concerning the ministry of Jesus. Matthew's what, twenty-eight chapters? Mark is sixteen chapters. Luke is twenty-four chapters, I think. John is twenty-one or twenty-two chapters. And so you take all that, hundred or so chapters. That's a very, very minute part of the entire scripture. But that little, that little stretch there from Matthew to Mark, and of Matthew to to John, but also obviously the New Testament, with, with you know with Acts and Romans and all the letters to the epistles. We take all of that. I tell you what, we need to look at Jesus, folks, and what is his example in prayer? And Jesus tell, tells us in, his, in the Word that his lifeline to the Father was prayer. Jesus would pray in the morning. A great while before day, he'd rise up and pray. He'd pray at night. There's times the Scripture says he would pray all night. All night, he would pray. And the disciples, you know, they weren't, the, they weren't the brightest. They're like a lot of us. They just weren't the brightest bunch. But they finally caught a hold of something. There's miracles. There's things happening after he prays. Something happens when he starts praying and, and talking to God. Because Jesus would say this. You know, I don't do anything unless I, the Father leads me to do I'm prompted by the Father. I say what I hear him say. I do what I see him do. How is he getting that? Just because He was the Son of God? No, because He sought God in prayer. He prayed. He looked to the Father for help and strength. So He spent time before God in prayer. And so, you know, obviously if, if we see Jesus, Him being the example of that, then it probably behooves us to pay attention, doesn't it? And It probably behooves us to go, okay, I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to look at His life and see some things I can learn about prayer. Now, in Luke chapter 11, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11 and haven't found it yet, Luke chapter 11, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along with us on the screen, but it says this in Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, you know, sometimes when you read scripture, I know when I read scripture, especially scriptures that I've maybe read a number of times before, how that you can just kind of speed read it. Now, I know maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that. Maybe you've thought about it before, but how sometimes when you've read a scripture before, you read a text of scripture, you know, you kind of go, no, 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 you speed read it. But now, when you slow down and read the scriptures, sometimes things that you that you've read before, you read it and, and things just jump out. And that's what happened to me as I was reading this because I there's no telling, I wouldn't want to guess how many times I've read this. I I I mean, just a lot. But it said this now it came to pass as he was in a certain place. When he was praying in a certain place, I think Jesus had places of prayer, places he would go to. And you know, the Bible says this one time, go to your closet and pray. Does that mean everybody's got to go to their closet and pray? Everybody find your, you know, we've heard people say their prayer closet. I know what they're talking Many times, talking about, this is where I pray. This is where I go and fellowship with the Lord. This is where I go and express my needs and my desires. This is where I go and this is where I go and talk to God. But it's a certain place, not in my house. Now you don't have to do this, but in my house I have a certain place that I I meet almost every day with the Lord and pray, read the Scripture, meditate, pray. It, but it's a it's a place. It's a certain place. And they're again saying, so I don't want you to get tied to this. I say, oh, now I've got to find me a place, you know, right. I, my place is in the car on the way to work. That's a good place to pray. You think it's a good? You think it's good as you're going to work to be praying? Can you pray? On, can you pray? Can you be spiritual and pray on your way to work, fighting what we think is bad traffic in Dothan? <laughs> it's really relative. It really is, isn't it? But can you can you pray sitting at your desk at work? Absolutely. But you have a certain place where you pray place that you go and you commune with God so he says there's a certain place and we had ceased uh, when he had ceased that one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples now he, he's not asking here listen the disciple is not asking Jesus to pray for them he's asking them what teach us how to pray let me ask you a question nobody raise your hand or just, just kind of look straight ahead and we won't, not, we won't know that we're talking about you But was there ever a time in your life where you needed to be taught (laughs) how to pray? (laughs) You heard pray. You need to pray. Everybody needs to pray. Christians need to pray. But the only problem sometimes was, how do I pray? And we know that prayer is just offering up your heart to God, thanking God, worshiping God. But there's also some principles in prayer that we're going to look at here in a little bit. They're important to know. And so I think it behooves us to, to listen to to what Jesus taught these disciples about prayer, because he said, Lord, teach us to pray. It says, as John, you know, taught his disciples. And it said this in verse 2. So he said to them, When you pray. Now, this is where I got the title from When You Pray. Now, notice he didn't say, if you pray, did he? Didn't say, you know, if you feel like it in church, but it's almost like it was kind of like, yeah, this is a part of your life. When you pray. Back in the book of Matthew, you don't need to turn to it, but in Matthew chapter 6, some of this is recorded in both places, Matthew 6 and also here in, um, in Luke 11. But he talks about there, he said that when you, when you give, not if you give, when you give. So it's giving just a part of a believer's life. Yes. Absolutely. We're givers. We're, we have the nature of God. God's nature is to give. And so we're, we're givers. You're a giver whether you know it or not. You're a giver because we have his nature and God's nature is to give. And so he said, when you give, when you do your charitable deeds, that means when you give, you know, listen, don't, don't try to let it be seen. Don't let it be known. Don't try to publicize it. Just, just do it. And when you do it in secret, you'll be rewarded Openly. Same thing with prayer. He so said the same thing about prayer. When you pray secretly, go into your prayer closet. Matthew records it like this. Go into your prayer closet, and as you pray, as you seek the Father, He hears you and re- will reward you openly. He also said this, when you fast. Oh, no. Oh, no. Do I have to fast? No, you don't have to fast. <laughs> you get to fast. There's times for Fasting. Amen. He said, when you fast. So when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. There's a time to fast. There's a time to maybe skip a meal or two or you know, go up, go a whole day and, and go from sun up to sundown and just just you, even if you're working, just seek that time to meditate on scripture. Think about the, the the Lord the Lord. Think about the word or maybe, you know, maybe at night go home and say, I'm not going to eat dinner, and I'm just going to seek the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to commune with God when you when you fast and so fasting is a part of our walk as a believer and also people teach today well it's not necessary and that kind of thing and you know it's it's not anywhere written where you have to fast if you don't fast you're going to go to hell fasting is a blessing is giving a blessing is praying a blessing so if those two things are blessing guess what <laughs> Fasting is a blessing too. Fasting is good. There's times to where we're to fast. But he said this. He said, when you pray. Then he said this. I say this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. We also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from evil now I mentioned to you earlier that disciples they associated the miracles of things that happened in Jesus life with his prayer life and so they said Lord teach us to pray and so Jesus is teaching them some things about prayer he's teaching them some principles about prayer now let's get this straight here Jesus is not teaching the disciples here that this is the only way to pray You just pray this prayer, that this prayer covers everything in your life. I think some people, when they pray, think we all just, I'll pray this prayer. That kind of covers everything. That's the extent of their praying. But listen, this prayer is kind of an outline of some things concerning principles that we need to have involved with our praying. Does Does that make sense? Some things that need to be involved in our praying. And so it's not like just this is the only way to pray. It just gives us some things that we can launch out in prayer. Because when you look at this, when you look at some of these scriptures here, some of these things we see, the answers to these is fulfillment in the, in the letters to the epistles. So things that they already address these things. But we're going to see, we're going to look at these here tonight. And what I want you to do just for the next few moments is just kind of go, okay, Lord, I, I want you to help me tonight. Teach me some things about prayer that I haven't learned before. Is that okay? Open up your heart tonight. And you know what? Just one thing, just one word. There's a half a scripture that you catch a hold of can change your whole thought about praying, can it? Doesn't take you know, does not take all night long, doesn't take hundreds of scriptures. It can just take one, just one thing that you see concerning prayer, and it'll it'll help you. What what this is, I like to say it like this, is kind of an outline. It kind of gives us a track to run on where prayer is concerned. And it's it's powerful. Some people say, well, that's just, that's old, that's old covenant, that's old testament, and you don't need to do all that. But there's some principles here that are important for us to see. So we're going to look at that here tonight. So the first thing, it says this, in verse 11, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the first principle we see here that Jesus teaches is this, is that we need to begin our praying with praise and worship. Begin our praying with what? Praise and worship. The Scripture talks about coming coming to His gates with thanksgiving and what? Into His courts with praise, declaring, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so we see the way to open up our prayers is just thank God. And you don't have to take forever. You don't take a long time. It's just, Lord, just thank you for being so good to me. Thank you for redeeming me. Are you thankful tonight to be redeemed tonight? Now that you're redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus redeemed you with his precious blood. It's a way for us just to open up our hearts and just honor him. And, and that word hallow means to make holy, to sanctify. So in our life, and as we open up in prayer, and we, we don't usually say, hallowed be your name. I don't. Maybe you do. But I say, Lord, I praise you. Thank you that I can come. I, I honor you with my worship tonight. As we talked about, in the, as we sang in the song by, about worship. But honoring God with our lives, that's the way we start out. Because I know this, there's times where I've gone to the Lord in prayer and just kind of just jumped into it and go, okay, Lord, I need this, I need that. and, And then I'll get this thought, well, what right do I have to come before God and ask Him for all this stuff? I hadn't, I hadn't been before him in a while. I hadn't been really seeking him in praise. So you can kind of get under self-condemnation. But this is why, this is one of the reasons why opening up with praise and worship is so important. Because when you open up your prayer with praise and worship, what you're doing is this. You're focusing on him. Not your shortcomings. Not your weaknesses. Not how you haven't prayed in two or three days or, or longer. But what you're doing is what? Lord, I'm looking to you right now. I've got you in my, in my sights. I'm not looking at myself. I'm looking at you and who you are and what you've done. And, folks, I tell you what, when you get to thinking about the Lord and how, how good He is and, and what He's done, there's a song we used to sing, Some we sang it here much, but when I think about His goodness and what He's done for me, when I think about His goodness and how He set me free, the song says, it'll make me dance, 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 dance all night. Amen. When you do what? When you think about His goodness. And you can worship Him for His goodness. You worship Him for His faithfulness. And what that does, it takes your eyes off of you and your weaknesses and takes your eyes off of what you're even coming to pray about, which you'll get to. But your focus is where? Your focus is on Him. And anybody think that's a good thing when you focus on Him? Not on yourself, not on your weaknesses. Listen, not even on your problems or your challenges that you're facing. So we worship Him. We honor Him as we come into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Worship puts us in remembrance of who He is. Who is your Father? Who is He? Is He he just enough for you or is He more than enough? Did He just barely redeem you or are you redeemed fully? I mean, we're redeemed fully, aren't we? We've been purchased out of the slave market of sin into the family of God. It brings us in remembrance of who He is. I tell you what, I, there's been times in, you know, in, in, in before I pray and I'll, just get, I'll get into just worshiping God and I tell you what, I'll just, just do it for a period of time. Sometimes that'll be what my prayer is about. It'll just be worshiping Him. Thank you, Lord. I, I brought into remembrance once again of how good you've been <laughs> to a coach's son. Glory to God. How good you, faithful you've been to me. And I tell you what, and when you begin to do that, it starts thinking about, yeah, you know, I remember the time where God was faithful. I remember the time, I remember that time when, you know, when He provided for me, when He was, he was the only one that even knew about it. Amen. I remember one time the Lord had us to do something in, in faith, and, and we did it, and it just really broke loose some things. This has been a number of years ago, and the Lord said, I want you to remember that. And I have remembered it. I have remembered it all of my life. I look back and I see, and I got in prayer what God wanted me to do, and we did it. It was for the church, and we did it. And I'm telling you what, it just broke something. Do you believe God has breakthroughs for you in prayer? Oh, my goodness. You see it here first, though. You get it in prayer. But worship, to honor, to glorify. You know, when we come to church and we encourage people to lift their hands and to sing, it's not because we just want you to do that. And listen to this. It's not because just God's looking down and going, okay, I'm taking notes. Uh, you're not worshiping, you're not working, you know, your hand's not right. It's not that's not what it's about. Worship is for us. The Bible says this if we don't worship, the rocks will cry out. Isn't that what it says? So God, we God doesn't need us to worship. Worship is for us. It gets our heart set on him, it gets our eyes and our focus set on the Master. And so we open up with worship and praise. We thank God for what He's done for us and what He continues to do. But listen to this. Also, it says this. That same verse, the second principle I think He teaches here is teaching us is this. Ask God to have His way in your life. Do you think it's okay for you to pray at times, Lord, Your will be done in my life? Absolutely. You know, Jesus was in the garden praying. There, and you know, after he's spent time with the disciples, he goes to the garden to pray, and he says, "Lord, if it be possible, what let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done." And so, when we come to God in prayer, and they're going to that, you don't have to follow this order every time you pray. This is just some things you can look at, some things you can think about as you're praying, as you're going through your day, and you know, as you're as you're walking with the Lord. Lord, listen. Well, I want your way in my life. I don't want my way. Too many people go to God with their agendas, their outlines, and say, Now, Lord, bless this. And God's not obligated to bless your agenda. Amen? God's obligated to bless His agenda that He shows to you and reveals to you, and you decide by obedience to walk out. And so, Lord, have your way in my life. Your kingdom come, your will be done in this earthen vessel as it is in heaven now we know the kingdom of God now is is in us isn't it so the Bible says Jesus even said lo don't look say here lo there the kingdom of God is within you and so we're a part of the kingdom of God now but I want and I know you do too I want God's will done in my life but so folks God's will is not always done on the earth is it is it God's will for, for people to be murdered and for people to have terrible things happen to them no not his will Now, some people would tell you it is, but it's not. There's a devil that's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm so glad our Savior didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. Aren't you? What did he come for? He came to give us life and life more abundantly. So we start seeing some things. Lord, I want your way done in my life. Let me just share this with you. You know, when we were getting ready to move to Dothan to start this church, um, and this has been back in 19... 92 we were praying seeking God and and I tell you I can't tell you how many times I pray Lord I want this to be your will because I knew in my you know I just had heard Dothan in prayer and so we came here and looked over the city over we prayed and we went back to Tulsa and I'm praying Lord I want your will I want your will I want your will to be done in my life I don't want this just to be Bobby Marks I want this to be your will and just, just so, so sweetly on the inside. I didn't hear a voice. Didn't, it wasn't a thundering voice. It was just a still small voice and said, it's my will. And I thought, that's all I need. That's all I need. I don't have to have any flashing lights. I don't have to have any angels. All I've got to know is if it's His will, I'm going to do it. Amen. And the best place to be is the will of God. But you know, the will of God can be challenging at times, can't it? Doesn't mean you're going to float through life on flower beds of ease because you don't have any challenges and this is going to be perfect. You can be right in the very center of the will of God and have hell all around you. But when you know you're in the will of God, I tell you what, you can go, uh-uh, I'm right where God wants me to be. I'm in the best place I can be right now. Where is that? In the will of God and His perfect will. Glory to God. And so Jesus said there, listen, He prayed this, pray that His kingdom would come, His will would be done on earth, As it is in heaven. So as we come before God, I mentioned this, we come before God, we don't come with our own agenda, we come with His agenda, what He wants. Colossians 1 9, let me read this to you. If you want to turn there, you can, but I'll read it to you. Colossians 1 9 says this For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of what? Of His will. Filled with what? The knowledge, the knowing of His will. And so Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae was this. And I want you to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom, he said there, and spiritual understanding. This is a prayer we can pray for ourselves. Lord, I pray and desire and believe that you're filling me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You can pray that for your kids. Amen. You can pray that for. You can pray that for your pastor. I'll take that prayer. Lord, fill Pastor Bobby filling with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that he'll know what what we're supposed to do as a church family. Glory to God. So we we're asking and believing that God is showing us his way. Amen. Number 3 here real quickly. Number 3. Another principle we see here from this Teaching on the Lord, the Lord is teaching His disciples on how to praise this. You can pray for specific needs and desires in your life. Said this once again. This is Luke eleven three. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, thank God we have a Scripture in Philippians that says, "But my God shall supply." Come on, here, somebody help me. out. My God shall supply what? Oh. All of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Anybody ever used that verse of Scripture before? I bet you have, but I'm believing that you've already supplied all of my needs and it's done according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We see God providing for our, our, our needs in our life, the things that we have need of. Thank God he, he knows that. Scripture even says that we're to come boldly you know, before him and ask him and believe him for the, the things that we have need of in our life. And I am so thankful for that, and I know you are as well too. But you know what? God also wants us to come and express our desires. Our desire. Do you have any desires you want to see happen in your life? Anybody have any a vision or a dream about something you want to see take place in your life? Do you? Something's bigger than you. A desire, a godly birth desire. I, I'll tell you this, this. is I was thinking about this today. I have a desire to to pastor, and I think it's a godly desire. I have a desire to pastor an awesome, dynamic, spirit-filled, powerful church that's reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have that passion. That's a desire. I don't read anywhere in the Scripture where it says, now, okay, you can have that kind of desire, but I believe there's principle is there. Because when I desire to do the will of God, I desire to see God's plan and purpose not only in my life but also in people's lives. God, God loves that. God loves that when you, ask, when you come before Him it's what Father, I desire for my family. Amen. I desire for my family to be a family that serves God. Amen. I have a desire to, to see things happen, you know, in, in, in people's lives. And so desire. And the Scripture even says this in Mark chapter 11. The things you desire when you pray. Do what I believe you receive them, and and you'll have them. And so there's some desires that I have, and some are are more personal. I won't share them with you, but there's some some things I desire. And so when I come before the Lord in prayer, I say, Lord, I I have this desire for this person or that person. I have desire for this to take place. And, Lord, I'm just expressing my faith and confidence in you that you'll do this for me. Do you think God does this special things for his kids? I know I have three children, I have two grandchildren, and I love doing things for my kids. Love it. Love it. Love doing things for them. Love it. They don't have to talk me into it. I just do it. I love it. God's the same way. If we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will a Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? Wow. And so we have desires. And I hope you have some desire. I hope you have some dreams and some things that, that you look at and you go that what's happened in the past, is good as it's been, and we thank God for it, but yet what's in front of us is far better than what's behind us. Hopefully you believe that your best days are not behind you. Your best days are in front of you. Amen. Anybody believe your best days are still yet to come? Hey, I hope you do. If you don't, let's look at what Jesus said. Find out His, find out His will. His word is His will. So we can find out what the Lord says. We can go to God in prayer and we can begin to let the Lord reveal some things to us and He'll show us things and He'll begin to see some things. You know, this is something that just really came up big in me. Listen to these words. When you are full of hope, when you're full of hope, your future is more important than your past. When you're full of hope, say, when you're full of a dream, when you have a vision, your future is more important than your past. We've all had good things happen to us, haven't we? We've all had some challenges, but if we're full of hope and a dream that what's in front of us, our desire to see things happen, I'm telling you what, I'm telling you, the sky's the limit. Absolutely it is. Of course, trusting and believing and looking at Him and asking Him and asking Him to get involved and see Him do things in our life. You know, the story in the, in the book of Mark chapter 10, if you want to turn there, you can. If not, I'll just read it to you. But Mark chapter 10 is the story of Blind Bartimaeus. And you guys know the story. He's, he hears that Jesus is coming. So he said, begins to cry out, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And those that are standing by said, hey, the Lord's calling for you. And so he flew down that beggar's coat and he went running to Jesus. And listen to these words. It says this in Mark 10, Mark 10 verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you mean, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, a rabboni that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Jesus knew that he was blind, didn't he? Absolutely, but he still wanted him to do what? Ask. What is it you want? I don't want to get to the end of my life and and, and, and the Lord go, when you get to heaven, go, you know, if you just asked me and really believed me, I would have done that for you. You know he's going. You know, and it's not. Con- it's not condemning. It's not judging. He just goes, <laughs> Lindsay, goodness, girl. If you had just asked me, <laughs> I wouldn't the hell I'd have given you. I mean, the scripture says it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. <laughs> Amen? Amen. You say, well, how do I know if it's, just, it's a, if it's a right desire, if it's a godly desire? You know it in your heart. You know, it in your heart, knows you? when you're walking with the Lord, when you have fellowship with God. You know things that come out of your heart. You know you're praying. And all of a sudden, you go, you know, Lord, I think I, I think I want five million oil wells, and I want a yacht, and I want a Bentley for Monday and a Mercedes for Tuesday, and it's right down the. Do you think that's a godly desire? But do you think God wants you to have nice things? <laughs> Read about heaven. Heaven is a very, very Wealthy, rich, extravagant place. Amen. Amen. So God wants us to enjoy some things right down here. I believe that with all of my heart. So we see then his desire was was to be his desire, his desire, need and desire. I want to see. I want to see. Well, don't you want to see some things that you hadn't seen yet in the Word? Is it your desire to see some things in the Word you hadn't seen yet? I hope it is. Listen to this. The scripture talks about the boldness, and in that in that same chapter of Luke eleven talks about the boldness of a man that came to a, had a friend, and he had some friends come to town, and he didn't have enough food to feed them. Remember that story? Came he says, he comes to him, he's at night, knocks on the door, and he says, "Who in the world is that?" He said, "Hey, listen, I got somebody that's come, and we need some pizza. <laughs> you got any frozen pizzas on there? And he said, "Bread," he said, because well, we'll make it pizza. So if you have any? He said. It's, it, I'm in bed. Kids are in bed. It's late. What are you doing here? And, he's, and he said he gets up and he gives him what he wants. Why? Why? Because of his persistence, his consistency, because of his boldness. The this New Testament. I think even maybe the New King, the, the King James, and the New King James. I think uses the word importunity. But it's the word boldness, consistency, persistence. I tell you, when you come to God in a persistent way, not just nagging Him and, you know, just bugging Him all the time, but just in, in a faith, Lord, thank You that You've done this. Thank You that I've asked You and I believe i receive. received. I am you, we'll see the hand of God do great and mighty things. Can you say amen? Amen. The, la- the fourth thing is this. said this, And forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And what I get out of this is, maybe something a little different, but I, what I get out of this is, live tenderhearted. Live tenderhearted. Live tenderhearted. Scripture says this, Ephesians 4, 32, and be kind to one another. Paul is writing to Christians at Ephesus, believers. So he's writing to believers, and what does he say to believers? Be kind to one another. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I to tell believers sometimes, be kind to one another. Anybody, and don't look next to you. Anybody known any mean Christians? <laughs> I mean, just ornery Christians. You wonder, are they really a really? You know, I know God looks at the heart. Yeah, so yeah, but just known any mean believers? Just absolutely, just thought. Whew, and I'm being serious. Anybody known any believers that weren't very tender-hearted? Have you ever not been? I know I have. I have one of the things I have to work on is just kind of tough it up and keep going. And you know, if the bone's not broken, it's not sticking out of you, and you're, you know, you don't have the gash this big, just tough it out and keep right on going. You know, Respect, this good. Do you think you ought to be tender-hearted? It says here be tender-hearted, be kind, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be tender-hearted. Yes, come to God and if, you for, if you've sent Asgard to forgive him, he has. Thank God. Repentance is turning. The way you're going, turning to God to have a change of mind, have a change of action. But he also says this, we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Is that something to make a part of your prayer time? Absolutely. Lord, if I have anything that's ought toward anybody, if I'm holding any grudges, I'm mad you know, at this person or that person, you know, whatever. Just Lord show it to me. I want to be tender hearted and I know you do too. I want to be t- I I wanna the older I get, the more tender hearted I want to be. And don't you? The more old, the older I get, I turn sixty. I know I don't look sixty. I look fifty eight or fifty nine. I'm not quite <clears throat> but I turn sixty and I'm thinking, Wow, I'm sixty now. <clears throat> I don't know what I don't know what this is kind of like. Well, that's a little different. So, but you know, I thought, nah, no big deal, just a number. I'm as healthy and strong as I've ever been. Love preaching as much as I've ever loved preaching. But I got to think, you know, as I get older, I want to get tender. Age beef. Age beef is expensive. Yeah, number one. But guess what else it is? It's tender. <laughs> Yeah, Koei beef. you go buy a Koei steak somewhere and you'll find out how much it is. But aged beef is what? It's tender, isn't it? It's tender. I mean, you can cut it. Suppose you can cut it with a fork. I mean, it just melts in your mouth, not in your hand, you know anyway. Um, but you want to be tender-hearted, don't you? You think that's a prayer, you ought to be tender-hearted toward listen, be tender-hearted toward people, but how about this? Be tender-hearted toward God so sensitive in your spirit and your heart to the things of God. Don't get calloused and cold and indifferent. And that comes about, a lot of that comes about by praying, seeking God. Stay open in your prayer. Lord, show me the way. If I'm missing it somewhere, let me know. And then we'll close with this. Thank God for His grace to live life. said this, as he closes, he said, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank God we are delivered from the evil one today. Amen. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. He triumphed over the devil in his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. The devil is a defeated foe. We're going to talk more about that on Sunday. He's defeated already. We don't have to defeat him. All we got to do is just fight the good fight of faith and enforce the victory. What I saw from this just really, I don't know, it just came, came to me was this. Thank God for grace to live. He said there... But deliver us from the evil one. The Bible says the grace of God has appeared to all men teaching us that doing what that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, how to, everybody say, live, how to live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, Right down here. The grace of God is empowering, it's strengthening. It shows us how to live. The grace of God is not freedom to do what you want to do. The grace of God is an empowerment from God to help you do all that God wants you to do. The vision He's put in your heart. The dream you have. How to to not be led into temptation, but be delivered from evil. Grace teaches us how to live an overcoming life. It helps us to realize, as you were saying earlier, greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. Anybody thankful for the grace of God here tonight? I know I am. Lord's helping me and teaching us, me and hopefully he's te- teaching us all more about the grace of God. But so those those few things, we'll stop there, those few things that we can take from this prayer. It's kind of an outline, kind of a track to run on where this is concerned. But let me just say something to you. Say, Pastor, what do you want me to get out of this more than anything else? Pray. <laughs> Make it real simple. Pray. Spend time in prayer. Pray for your family. I think that I know the greatest responsibility I have as a as a as a father and now a grandfather is to pray for my family. Pray for my children. Cover them in prayer. Get in my prayer circle circle and say, Lord, I'm I'm covering my my daughters, my son, my daughter-in-law, my 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 kids in prayer. I mean, just I'm fighting for them in faith. Not fighting the devil. He's already defeated. I'm saying they're going to serve God, and they are going to love God. They're going to walk in the will of God. Pray. Spend time in prayer. Spend time communing with God. And, and, and the thing, and we'll look at this more next week, we'll say, well, okay, I see some things now, but what else do I need to know? You need to know what this book says right here. <laughs> you need to know what the book says. And what it says that you already and I already have, what we can do as a result of our new birth experience with Christ. Can you say amen?